Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Joel Embiid podcast. Oh, wait, sorry. No, the NBA podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about, of course, Joel Embiid uh, and his historic night. We will also touch on Robert Covington getting paid, uh, why Dallas hates Nerlens Noel so much, and whether Boston is now the favorite to make it out of the East. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, my son just told me the other day, with great shame in his voice, unnecessary shame, that he did not... Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Want to play basketball. And then he started crying because he felt he let me down, which of course he didn't. Buddy. So, but like he didn't let me down at all, but I, I, you know, I had to swallow it a little bit. Sure. Because that hurt. It stung. But at least he's like, I'm sticking with football and, you know, actual football, not what you guys play. Right. Right. Um, so at least he's sticking to one sport. And okay. when I looked at him and said, that's fine. That's fine. As long as you just promise me one thing, just try to be the best player you can possibly be at whatever sport you decide to go in. Okay, dad. So I'm going to look forward to having the new Lionel Messi, you know, <laughs> as, as son. There we go. That's, that's good parenting. Well done. Um, thank you. <laughs> so it's what every parent should do. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's normal parenting, but in today's world, it's, become good parenting with just horrifying right very very high bar we've set today (laughs) uh before we get underway more i know you saw justice league you want to give us your your quick review of it yeah so i'm a little bit mixed because it it was fun but the fun parts for me were you know the 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 areas where it was a little bit dark and gritty but the thing is, if you like Marvel, you are going to like Justice League because they have unfortunately buckled to the fan pressure and become much more like Marvel with a lot of 
you know, crammed in jokes. So when I see a lot of people going, oh, Justice League sucks, and they started to argue why Marvel movies are better, I'm just like, shut up. That, <laughs> no, they just, it's the exact same formula right now. So you can't, you can't have it both ways. It's just not, it doesn't work like that. I will say this, go watch it, everyone, because even though it's, it's a little bit more like Marvel, I have to assume by talking to you, Brian, and everyone else I know that, you know, people like fun. And this is fun. There are a lot of, you know, jokes in it and there are a lot of, you know, positivity. Superman is actually smiling a lot more and having fun while kicking ass. Oh, okay. So um, if you like that type of thing, then go watch it. Absolutely. And I mean, I've been waiting 25 years for having the Justice League uh, on the big screen. I really have. 25 years. So you can ex- you can you can probably, you know, tell that I had great expectations going in. Mm. And even though I was kind of disappointing in the fact that they went that humoristic because, you know, of all the fan pe- pressure, I still left the theater very excited. Okay. Um because this is a movie I can take my son in and watch even though it's like PG-13 or whatever whatever and he's 6 because this is nonstop action. He's he he won't even have time to just you know, yank on my arm sleeve and go, Dad, Dad, explain what happens. No, he's going to be entertained throughout two hours because, good Lord, action from start to finish. So it's very, very entertaining. I think you'll love it. <laughs> I'm not sure whether to be insulted by that. I think so. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I meant that in a positive way because you mentioned that you thought that uh, Batman v Superman was sort of dull yeah. at some times. Yeah. You, you felt it was drawn out. So that's what I'm alluding to. Okay. This one is not at all drawn out. I, it, you know, nonstop plot advancement and it just moves. It feels like if I have to 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 compare, like Game of Thrones for the first, you know, three one to like three or four seasons was very very slow. Mm-hmm. So that's like Batman v Superman. Okay. And then Justice League is like this the latest seasons season, a couple of, yeah. seasons back where they just went. Everything just flew off the wall. It was right. very fun. Where yeah. all of a sudden they could like time travel between different lands and in the matter of a yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Basically. Okay. So so yeah. And um and just one more thing. I just gotta mention it. Aquaman is fantastic. Jason Momoa is just doing one hell of a job as Aquaman. I kind of expected it going in, but I've seen a lot of people being afraid that he's too bro. Okay. And He's actually not like the trailers don't do him justice because yeah he's bro but he's not like obnoxious bro. Mm. All right, there we go. So my wife was supposed to see it Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> she said the line was too long, so she left. So she did not. That's see good it. news. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah, it was like an early release of some sort. I'm not really sure. I was working, uh, but I'm sure I will see it over the Thanksgiving holiday. So. Uh, good then remember to stick around there are two post credit scenes oh oh wow they just totally ripped off marvel huh yeah they did there's <laughs> one like mid mid post and then there's one at the end and the one in the end the final one uh-huh i shat bricks brian okay yeah, all right cool well that's that's good advice thanks Mort, for our weekly superhero recap i think we have to take a break for a few weeks until star wars comes out and then at that point we have to be very careful not to spoil anything because uh for obvious reasons, I think we would be thrown off the planet if we did. So we could go join 
Ray. Yeah. Because I would do that. I'm cool with that. She's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into actual basketball. We got to start with the Sixers. Uh, first of all, if you guys didn't see the Lakers-Sixers game on Wednesday night, and judging by basketball Twitter, that applies to roughly none of you. But if you did not see it, go watch highlights of Joel Embiid. 46 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, 7 blocks, never before done in recorded history, at least since they started recording blocks back in the early 70s. I'm sure Wilt probably had a game or two like that in the 50s and 60s, but it was was an absolute clinic. Uh, He and Ben Simmons just did whatever they wanted on the court while the rest of the team could not hit an open shot for the life of them until the last two minutes of the game. Uh, But we need to talk about Bob Covington, who was the big story on Wednesday heading into the game. He just, you know, we've we've been teasing at this for the last couple months saying, like, I I don't think it's a coincidence that the Sixers left 15 million in cap space. And they, you know, they were eligible to renegotiate and extend his contract on November 15th. Lo and behold, November 15th rolls around. Boom. There's the announcement. He has a four-year extension, uh, and I need to explain quickly the details of this because Twitter the last couple days has made me realize that people, some people don't quite understand, and it's not totally your fault because Woj and Shams, (laughs) well, well, Woj and Shams (laughs) did report it in a very confusing way. Like the headline on ESPN says four-year, sixty-two million dollar extension. Right. And I think and that's wrong. Right. And, and like I'm pretty sure Yahoo's did as well. So if you want like the nitty-gritty detail, go check out Derek Bodner on The Athletic. He has the best breakdown of it that I've seen. Uh Bobby Marks as well actually had the right <laughs> details. So what they did was he was making about 1.6 million dollars this year. They bumped his salary up by more than 15 million. Then over the following four years, he will earn roughly $45 million. So, in essence, it's a four-year extension, and he's going to earn $62 million, but $62 million includes this season. After this season, it's basically a four-year, $45 million contract. So when I compared all of those, his contract on Twitter to Evan Turner, Tim Hardaway Jr., Alan Crabb, has, that's why I use the four-year figures throughout, because over the following four years... 45 million um more i i mean i was shocked that they got him at that price what do you think about that deal i think robert covington might just get screwed on his second consecutive deal (laughs) this is like this is the second bargain contract for the sixers with covington yeah i mean look Let's let's just break down the numbers because after this season he's earning about sixteen point seven million this year because of the bump up, which mm-hmm. doesn't matter because the season is underway. You wouldn't need the cap space anyway, and people are saying, "Well, he's still getting paid sixty two million." Yeah, he is, but not really. It's not going to affect the cap in is you know to that extent because Philly aren't free agent you know players right now right they're not they they cleared those uh, they ha- held the cap space uh open for covington specifically yeah and honestly like who would you have gotten anyway you got jj reddick who fit in like yep. who would you have gotten like you wouldn't have made sense so his salary next year is going to come out to like 10 and then the following season is going to be 10.8 and then 11.6 and then 12.4 million 
Now, remember, this would have been a decent deal under the old cap. Yeah. But this is the new cap, so this is extra crispy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about what would... Yeah, I estimate that to be around between 8 and 10 million on the old cap. Mm -hmm. Maybe even a little bit less. So this is a fantastic deal. Absolutely. I'm crazy about it. Yeah. It feels like the new version of Jay Crowder's contract that made him one of the best bargains in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Like, now Covington is going to take that title for this new cap threshold. And as Bodner pointed out, I mean, yes, like... Four years, forty-five million, is far below market. But if he didn't renegotiate, he was only going to make one point six million. So as Bodner said, if he was going to match sixty-two million over the next five years, and he didn't renegotiate, he would have had to get a four-year, sixty million plus deal next summer. And as we've right. talked about before, you know we're not the only ones who have noticed this, but a Cap space already dried up last summer. The contracts that were handed out in 2016, there were far fewer, you know, <laughs> totally ridiculous contract figures in 2017. This coming summer, even fewer teams have cap space. So, right. it, you know, the pinch might be even more severe. And you've got a bunch of, like, high-profile guys on the market, including LeBron James, Isaiah Thomas, Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins. Like, if you're not a top-tier superstar there is the chance that you get squeezed out. Now, you could argue, you know, yeah, like Chicago is going to have a lot of cap space. Atlanta is going to have a lot of cap space. Phoenix is going to have a lot of cap space. Like Robert Covington is a guy who probably could get overpaid and go to a rebuilding team. And like, you know, there is a chance that he would have gotten more money in the free agent market. But if he wanted a $15 million raise right now and he's happy with, you know, like maybe... Philly has engendered loyalty by taking a chance on him. And now he's playing with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and he sees what this team can become. And like, he's, you know, if he's happy, like all the power to him. I'm, you know, I, I, the guy was an undrafted free agent. Like I I think probably never in his wildest dreams did he think he was going to make $60 million over the next five years. So that's a good point. That's a very good point. Like he's, he's been used to earning, Around a million, a million and a half mm-hmm. over the last four years of his career. So getting this bump right now and knowing that you're earning double figure salaries for the next four years, that has to be a huge get for him alone. Yeah. Like, man, he can go buy a, a proper house now. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So I think, you know, now this begs the question like, that the Sixers have their core financially locked in covington signed yes. to an extension and bead signed to an extension simmons is on the second year of his rookie deal markel Fultz is on the first year of his rookie deal Darius Sarge is on the second year of his rookie deal like all of their big name guys outside of jj reddick and amir johnson are locked up right they're going to have i i've seen various figures um about how much cap space they could have bodner says about 30.8 million uh, assuming they renounce the qualifying offer for Nick Stauskas, which they're going to do, so <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to use that number because I trust him. He's a good you know a good cap guy. He he's a one of the best Sixers beat writer there is. So he pays attention to this stuff. So 30.8 million, assuming the 101 million dollar salary cap projection for next season holds true, that means the Sixers can squeeze a guy 
in that seven to nine year max range. So, the, you know, the guys who can get 30% of the cap, yeah, they, they could squeeze that guy in and not have to deal, you know, not have to like find the taker for Jared Bayless or something like that. If they go after a guy in the 10 plus year range, say a LeBron James, they'd have to get a little more creative. So we were having this, <laughs> we were going back and forth at DMs the other night about this. Uh, you know, it seems like Philly is setting itself up to be a big player in free agency, whether in 2018 or 2019. Obviously, LeBron is the big prize in 2018. He's, you know, Ben Simmons is a clutch sports client, so there's that connection. Ben and LeBron have worked out in the past. You know, maybe everyone says LeBron wants to go to the Lakers, but, like, maybe he watched that Lakers-Sixers game the other night and saw what Embiid did and was like, oh, shit. You know, maybe maybe I don't need to go to the West Coast and have to play the Warriors before the finals. Maybe I can go hang out in the boys in Philly, hang out with my boy Ben Simmons, just have Joel Embiid feed him all game and, you know, go go to the finals then. Uh, 2019, Clay Thompson's a free agent. Jimmy Butler's a free agent. So if you're the Sixers, which of those guys do you think is the best fit? Like, who would you be saving that cap space for? Clay Thompson. Mm. As you know, because we DM'd him. Right, yeah. yeah. No, here's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing. LeBron is LeBron. Yeah. But if you sign him, he might have that idea. You know, hey, I'm going to go chill with my boy Ben Simmons. But at the same time, his boy Ben Simmons is going to get ignored. Yeah. Basically, he's going to see less court time. He's not going to see as much time on the ball, which means his development is probably going to stagnate a little bit, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a good idea. Yeah, like You have plenty of ball handlers like Markel Fultz when he comes back from the death, you know, like Superman. <laughs> right. um, you know, he's going to handle the ball. Ben Simmons can handle the ball. Hell, Joel Embiid can handle the ball. Darius Sarge is an excellent ball handler and passer. Mm-hmm. I would even argue that Robert Covington has gotten better in that regard as well. Yeah, he has. So there are plenty of players available on that roster who can handle the basketball. I am not seeing that as any lack. Mm-hmm. As And as such, getting a guy in like Clay, who is primarily spotting up and just does not need a lot of time on the basketball. I don't have these stats in front of me, but I would love to see how much he actually holds the basketball in his hands, like for mm-hmm. how long a game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he's probably, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he has one of the lowest rates in the league compared to volume. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't need the hand, the ball in his hands a lot. Like it's just, it moves and he shoots. That's it. Right. So if you can get a guy who comes in and averages 20, points a game just off of that action mm-hmm. while being a very solid defender on the other end. Yeah, you go for that because then you still optimize Markel, you optimize Ben, you optimize Dario and Joel, and it just, oh, the, the fit is just beautiful. Yeah. To, to your point there, he averages 2.29 seconds per touch. Clay does. That's that's so little. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, wow. yeah. he he His value is as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And, you know, he's a good defender, too. Like, mm. and to me, I'm torn between Paul George and Clay, And I think you're probably right that Clay is the best fit. Just of course given... I am. <laughs> of course. I, I just like the idea of 
George, like a George Robert Covington wing combo is just so goddamn lethal in terms of length and defense, especially with Simmons and Embiid and then Fultz, who's 6'4", with a, I think, 6'10 wingspan, something like that. Like, you know, you hear all this talk about Milwaukee wanting to build with length and defense. Like, the Sixers would be just as long, if not longer, with a Paul George in there. But, you know, Clay is also, what, he's 6'6". I mean, he's a good defender, too. So it's it's tough. And strong. Yeah. And, and, like, I think there is something to say. Like, he does bring championship pedigree. Like, he could come into that right. locker room. You know, the the Warriors are most likely going to win at least one, if not two rings in the next two years. So he'd be coming in there with three or four rings, dropping those on the table like Pat Riley and saying, like, hey, guys, I know what it takes to get there. Like, let me take you over to the promised land. Here's what we need to do. Like, here's why you guys have been falling short. Here's where we can continue to improve. Let me impart my veteran wisdom onto you. So... Yeah, and then by the eleventh hour, he'll go, "Oh shit! I just realized I have no reason to leave Golden State. <laughs> right. I'm outie." Right, right. Therein lies the problem. But hopefully, he gets priced out of Golden State. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the larger point is that I know it sounds so ridiculous to say, like, I don't want LeBron James to join my team. Like, who says that? But like, in well, this we do. rare circumstance. I just think there are better fits. Not only because, I mean, he would be one of the 10-plus year guys, so you'd have to find a taker for Jared Bayless or something like that. you probably have to attach at least a second-round pick. If not, like, maybe you have to give away Timothy Luau Cabarro, who's actually been playing well, or Justin Anderson or Furkan Korkmaz. Um, You could just squeeze a George or Clay in there without having to shake up anything else which i think is valuable um and as you said like i don't want i don't want to take ben simmons off the ball you're wasting ben simmons if you take him off the ball like that is his strength lebron can shoot but he's not as good of a shooter as clay thompson this is not (laughs) this is not a controversial take here like clay thompson is a better three-point shooter than lebron james yes the problem or like you can never have too many ball handlers but as you said like I I just think I mean seeing JJ Redick in this system, you want you almost need a guy like that next to Simmons and Embiid. You need someone who can just come running off screens and just fire right as he catches the ball. And like Clay's would be a souped up version of JJ on both ends of the floor. So you know I it'd be, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with this cap space in the next two years, whether they you know, use it next summer because they're afraid Clay is just going to, you know, Golden State's going to figure out a way to keep all four guys or whether they re-sign JJ on another one-year big money deal and just go all in on Clay or Jimmy. Because after that, then you have to start worrying about Simmons' extension, Dario, you know, if you're going to keep him long-term. All your guys start running out after 2019. So you, you really... It's the next two years where they need to strike. But, if, yeah. you know, they're 8-6. and six. They came off, I think, 10 of their first 14 games, something like that, were on the road. They beat Houston. They beat the Clippers. They beat Jazz without, with Jazz when they had Gobert. And, you know, the Sixers didn't have Embiid. Like, they're taking promising steps toward being a free agent destination, especially if Embiid stays healthy 
and continues playing like the way he did against the Lakers the other night. It was just that was one of the most impressive dominant performances I've seen from any NBA player probably since like the 2016 finals. Here's the thing with Embiid's game. That type of production he had against Los Angeles could actually end up being somewhat pedestrian for him down the road. Yeah. He's still young. Yeah. That's the insane thing. <laughs> I know. And it didn't even look like he was asserting himself like to the point where he was seeking out these things. Right. Like, it came within a flow of things. Yeah. The little herky jerky move he had with the Eurostep. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was wonderful. Or the dream but, shake. The dream shake as well, like and and it just it all comes so naturally to him when he sees someone he reads the defender so masterfully and he's what twenty two twenty three twenty three, I mean good lord yeah, imagine when he's twenty six and twenty or twenty seven. I know, he, yeah, and stays he, healthy he, obviously right, and that's always it, it always comes back to that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean he's twenty three years old. He's been playing basketball for like seven or eight years and he's already doing that like yeah it, it just that's <laughs> ridiculous there's still, still time for my son then yeah there you go he, so if he changes his mind i'm just gonna go hey look at joe olympic right yeah you just need your son to grow up to be seven two and 280 pounds well the 280 pounds i can do <laughs> yeah all right uh let's move on well, let's well before oh, we do okay i have a number for you right here yeah fifty-one thousand. That's minutes. LeBron James in regular season and playoffs so far in his career. 51,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not counting preseason. That's mm-hmm. not counting all-star games. That's not counting international competition. Right. That's just regular season and playoff. He's going to be 33. Yeah. That's another thing that you have to take into consideration when, when looking at LeBron. Even if you're the Lakers. Yeah. Like, whoever you are, that's a lot of miles now, to LeBron's credit, he's shown that so far it means tits. Right, because, yeah. Right. But he's leading the league in minutes again for yeah. the second year in a row. And I am just sitting here thinking you're playing with fire yeah. when you're doing that to him. Like, he has to go down to like 32, 30 minutes a game. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And if he keeps getting these types of minutes and these deep playoff runs... You know, at some point, his body is going to buckle down. Maybe not like a, a severe injury, but then he's going to miss games here and there. And, you know, he's, you know, pinched something in his back or mm-hmm. his knee starts to swell up or his elbow starts to hurt a little bit. What, Whatever. Right. But these nagging injuries are going to come as a result of this down the line. Like, unless he is a robot, which I just so far can't get confirmed by anyone, <laughs> even though I... Right, I try. There, yeah. there is a seventy percent chance that he is a robot, so it might not matter. Yeah. I mean, he, to his credit, I think he probably like takes. I guess Kobe also did these ridiculous things, but like he's got to be taking better care of his body than almost anyone in NBA history, if not anyone. Like he is right, unprecedented in his, you know his way of using science to really maximize his recovery. So like maybe what happened to athletes, hell five, 10 years ago, like maybe they just aren't going to break down as quickly or maybe they do. And maybe LeBron's just the one rare case where, you know, it doesn't matter. Like he's just going to play this way until he's 45 and we're all going to be 
richer for it. But that that is a fair concern, and that factors into my thinking as well with his fit, you know, in Philly. Like the, all of this, Embiid's twenty three, Simmons, you know, Simmons, Fultz, Sarge, they're all in their early twenties. I Clay and Paul George, by the time they're free agents, will be like 28, 29. Like, they'll be more in line. They'll still be a couple of years older, but like more in line with the development curve of the Sixers. Right. Whereas LeBron, it's like, you know, it, it, every year he's going to soon turn into the Tim Duncan, where like every year you think he's going to slow down and then he turns 38 and he's still putting up triple doubles. And you're like, oh, okay. He's, he's just, he's never going to lose it. But. You know, Father Time is the one thing that remains undefeated in this game. So, at some point, yeah. So at some point, he's bound to slow down. Whether it happens two years from now, or five years from now, or ten years from now is anyone's guess. But at some point, it will happen again, unless he's actually a robot. (laughs) Actually, a robot. Yeah. I I was I actually um, listened to George Carl. I, I you know his new book. Furious George. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to it on audiobook and he suggested, you know, that a lot of these guys who went to Germany and stuff, they would did they didn't go there to get sauerkraut. <laughs> and like he more or less hinted that these guys are going there to get like the latest treatment and right. you know that that can't be detected and Oh, interesting. Obviously LeBron's name has always been the rumor mill, but you and I have never talked about this. Yeah. Like where do you stand on that issue? Do you think LeBron ever juiced? I mean, I I I honestly don't know. I have no no sense of it. It would be like reckless of me to speculate how many NBA players are actually doing it. I will say, talk to Andrew Bynum about how well those German procedures work sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, but, I mean, I guess I don't think so. I I think LeBron is just the obvious target. Right. Like, he's so big that he, obviously, people were like, oh, he couldn't have gotten that big. Look at his, when he was 18 and then now yeah, people grow with age. They fill out. Right. Like, <laughs> Look at Giannis. Giannis as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. It's just, it's natural progression. And then he just added a little element of bodybuilding to it and right. got a little Schwarzenegger all over it. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I just, I kind of found that indirect accusation of George Carl yeah. hilarious and also a little bit typical because. Yeah, again, hey, the book is called Furious Stories. Like, <laughs> right, <yeah>. right. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting because, I mean, when you look at how long he's playing LeBron, and again, 51,000 minutes. Yeah. yeah it's I, right. It's uncanny. Yeah. The, the speculation is understandable, at least. But I'm yeah. with you. I don't, I'm going to just cover my ears and close my eyes and pretend that no NBA player is on any sort of performance-enhancing supplement. That would be nice, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the preferable route. So let's stick with the Atlantic Division for a second. We need to talk about the Boston Celtics, who have now won 14 straight games. Thursday night, they knock off the Warriors at home, 92-88. to 88. They survive. You know, the Warriors did their typical, like, let them hang around the first half, come out in the third quarter, and just wipe them off the floor. Except Boston actually survived that. 
battled back, came out with a close victory. I, more, I mean, every time the Warriors lose, I feel like we say the same thing. Who cares? It's not May. We're not worried. So let's focus on it from Boston's angle. Right. They started the year 0-2. Gordon Hayward suffers an ankle injury on opening night. And at the time, we figure, oh, that's it. You know, like the Celtics looked like they were posed to maybe challenge the Cavs for Eastern Conference supremacy. But without Hayward, how can they? 14 wins later, where do you stand on that? Are they now the favorite to represent the East in the finals? I think they are now because when they came, or well, actually, Golden State visited them. It was it's a road game for the Warriors, but still, the Dubs had that game circled. Yeah, like they know that the team is on a winning streak, mm-hmm. and they would love nothing more than to tear that away. Yep. So them not succeeding in that is a testament to the intensity that Boston played with, mm-hmm. and doing it without Gordon Hayward is just so impressive. I mean, the the connection between Ky- we talked about this Kyrie and yeah. Al Horford like their connection is just insane Jason Tatum is is a 10-year veteran at this point and Jalen yeah. Brown I mean um I wasn't fortunate enough to to watch the game because Jesse Blanchard of B-Ball Breakdown spoiled it for me <laughs> right like, yeah because I'm I'm a little bit ahead of your time schedule and I wake up when, when you guys are going to bed and right. you all are talking about it. And he sent out emails to the entire people breakdown staff and thank you, Jesse. It's <laughs> nice. Um, and I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who go into a game. Like when I know who wins and yeah. then stay with the same focus, it just, yeah. But from what I gathered and from what I did see, uh, Jalen Brown overcame like a, the loss of his best friend mm-hmm. and just played out of his mind, which was amazing. And he's been solid as well. Like, I mean, Boston is, is owning everything right now. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I still feel their summer could have been better. I'm not leaving that one <laughs> behind quite yet, Right. but I'm, I'm willing to concede that I am on the verge of being wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I think we said this last episode when we were talking about you know the awards races and we were talking about Danny Ainge in particular and how there's no way we could have known what kind of a leap both that that Brown was going to take and then also Tatum not even a leap just that he was you know he he came in with the perception of being NBA ready but like did anyone expect this kind of NBA ready like you know I remember you had the Celtics I want to say you had them pretty high on your league pass rankings because you were excited to see those two guys. And then I was like, well, that was before the whole um, the Hayward injury. And I was like, well, you know, are they going to get those minutes? Like Hayward's going to be playing 35 minutes a game. I don't think we're going to be seeing those guys that much. I think that was Sarah, actually. Oh, she I had them because I, Yeah, I had them pretty low. You, I think you guys were after me because I had them th- that low. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, because I, had I thought it was relatively low thing. as well because I just didn't think we were going to see those guys. And now, yeah, you know, like they have really proven not only are they ready, like, you know, they it was always we kept saying with Boston, they're split between now win now and win later because they have all these like mm. all these guys they keep drafting with the Brooklyn Nets picks who we thought like, OK, yeah, Tatum, Brown, the 2018 pick before they traded for Kyrie those guys are going to be the cornerstone of their future. 
but then you also had back in the summer you had isaiah thomas you had al horford you had jay crowder you had a bunch of guys who were win now so it's like they were kind of splitting the difference like they had to both stay competitive now and build toward the future but now we're seeing like they didn't need to split anything like tatum and brown are ready to compete now like they held their own against the world champions i mean it was again it's one regular season game i'm not gonna like jump to conclusions and say the celtics are gonna beat the warriors in the finals because i still don't think that's true but agreed you know, it's it's hard not to be impressed with what this Celtics team has done, especially in the face of adversity. And I, I'm with you, Mort. I think right now, I don't know how you can have any other team as the favorite in the East. I'm not saying they're going to win the East. It's a long season. Injuries can change things. We still haven't seen the Cavaliers with Isaiah Thomas. That can change things. You know, Washington and Toronto are both playing well. They're both 9-5. and five. The Pistons are no fluke like they they've proven that they're in for the long haul this andre drummond revival is for real um the bucks have won four straight with eric bledsoe now like they you know they look legit like i i think the moral of the story is that the eastern conference is much more up for grabs than we anticipated heading into the year agreed i will say this though and this is an important note Boston's offense has been slightly concerning. Mm -hmm. Their defense is what wins games right now. Yeah. And come playoff time, they are going to have to deliver on both ends of the court. Yeah. I mean, looking at, you know, know, their effective field goal percentage right now is 26 in the league. Mm -hmm. But their opponent effective field goal percentage is like first. Like they are leading the league in allowing the the least efficient shots. So I'm... I, I'm on the Celtics wagon mostly because they're winning and it seems like they're finding the chemistry. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm also concerned. There are some elements there where I'm not completely convinced yet. But at the same time, that stays true for Cleveland, who still can't guard a freaking chair. Right, right. I mean, look, the chair that E. Yan Yan played against alone <laughs> back in the 20, you know, the, the 2007 pre draft camp. Uh huh. That thing would get a triple-double against the Cavs right now. Right. So, I mean, there are concerns on both sides. It's just a matter of what do you trust more? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to your point, they are 22nd right now in offensive rating. They're leading the league in defensive rating. They're allowing 95.4 points per 100 possessions, which is, I think that's like four points ahead of where the number one team was last year. So... Whether they can keep this up is anyone's guess, but it, I mean, it. You know, they always say defense wins championships. Like if they, I'm less concerned. I'm less concerned about a team with a good defense and a bad offense than I am with a good offense and a bad defense, which is Boston and Cleveland right now. But then again, you also have the saying, "Great offense." beats great defense true. every single time. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we can sit here and sling out like so many old sayings right, and try to right. <laughs> gauge some sort of analytical answer to what's more accurate. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I bottom line, it's gonna be interesting when the playoffs start 
to see which of these teams are ha, finds it easier to overcome their weakness. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of sitting here going, could the playoffs just start now? Yeah, for real. Because we really have to go through the whole season. Yeah, I'm, we're 16 games in, and I'm like, oh, we have 66 more to go. Or, no, 60. Yeah, yeah. something along those lines. 66 65 more or more for pretty much every yeah. team. Yeah. But if the playoffs started now, the New York Knicks would be in the playoffs. The Cavs would not be. So, (laughs) poor sink god in the playoffs. Yeah, sign me the hell up, though. Uh, Well, right now, right now, it would be. Oh, it would actually be the Raptors and the Knicks in round one. It would be the Wizards and the Sixers. So, I mean, Embiid in the playoffs. That'd be pretty lit. And then Milwaukee, Detroit, which was actually a fun game the other night. Oh yeah, Boston, Orlando. Where, uh, yeah, Orlando is starting to sink back to, uh, they're still above 500, but they've lost three straight. They're starting to lose some of that early season luster that they had. So I I think, I mean, the the Knicks are a surprise. Miami and Charlotte, we both pegged as pretty easy playoff teams, and they both struggled out of the gate. So it, it does seem like Detroit, I think, you know, barring injury, it's already looking like they're a pretty safe playoff uh, playoff entrance, but it seems like there's going to be room for another surprise team, whether it's Philly, Orlando, Indiana, hell, maybe the Knicks to crash the playoffs, and maybe Miami and Charlotte misses out, or hell, your Brooklyn Nets, Mort, they're only <laughs> they're only a couple games out. Yeah, and look, I'm glad you brought them up because we need to. Kind of edit our thing now because now D'Angelo D'Angelo Russell went down, yep. which was just a yeah, that was gut wrenching yeah. because now I can't even say Freddie five anymore. <laughs> no, well, it sounds like he's gonna be back. They keep saying sooner rather than later, but we've received no word as to what the injury is. And anytime you say knee injury in sports, I immediately get yeah. nervous. So right, right. Fingers crossed. He's actually he'll be back soon and he'll be healthy and that's actually <laughs> on the note of knee injuries that's the perfect transition into Utah and Rudy Gobert in particular because the last time we recorded was last Friday that night Dion Waiters took a tumble into Gobert's knee we, it looked like we averted disaster because he came back into that game that night then he missed the game Saturday night against Brooklyn I believe and then Sunday. The Jazz announced he's going to be out for at least the next four weeks with that knee injury. So the Jazz, they're kind of in a tailspin right now. It's been, I mean, all season for them has been a slog on offense. Like, they just cannot score consistently. But at least they had their defense to fall back on. Unfortunately... In their last seven games, they are now one and six. Their lone win coming against Brooklyn. Uh, so, more. I want to. I mean, we. I guess the first question we need to address quickly: Gobert accused Waiters. He said that was a dirty play, basically. Like Waiters dove for the ball, but the ball was going to the left. Gobert's knee was on the right. It seemed like Waiters took a. A strange path toward the ball because he went right for Gobert's knee. So do you think it was an intentional thing from Waiters or do you think it was just like one of those split second things that looks worse on replay but when you're in the moment, you know, that that's just how how these things happen. So you're asking me to add to the 
insane amounts of micro analysms that were on twitter that night <laughs> yeah yeah jazz yeah. twitter has taken they, they've taken that one and run with it i'm not sure i agree with jazz twitter there i mean i get that there was a bit of confusion given the path that waiters was in right but i've seen that play probably 50 times now mm-hmm. i i just i cannot find any logical way of explaining how it should have been intentional yeah it just seems his body is already falling and he just didn't have control of it and it happened like let me ask you this if that had been wayne ellingson and not Dion waiters mm. had we had that discussion it's a good point i don't think so yeah i mean maybe but i, I it's probably at least less loaded than it is because it's waiters that's very that's yeah. a fair point it drives narrative. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. So the other question then with the Jazz is they moved Donovan Mitchell in the starting lineup. Rodney Hood's now coming off the bench. Both are playing mm-hmm. well in their new roles, but it hasn't resulted in wins. You know, if Gobert, let's say he's back by the middle of December, you're still looking at, what, 15 games or so that he's about to miss? Yeah. Do you think the Jazz are basically out of the playoff race already? Oh, it's so early. I mean, this just doesn't look good. They're 6-9 and nine right now with Gobert missing that much time. It's just going to dig them a hole further and given it that it's the Western Conference, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to say yes, but it's it's so early that I can't force myself to go out on that limb quite yet. But... It appears that way is the political answer that I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not it's not yeah. looking good. I mean, their one saving grace is their upcoming schedule, at least in the next week. They're they're on in the midst of a four game road trip. They lost the Knicks on Wednesday. They're at Brooklyn on Friday, at Orlando Saturday, at Philly Monday, and then Chicago next Wednesday at home. Yeah, but yeah. like. Orlando and Philly aren't pushovers anymore. Chicago, nope. that's a W. But, like, after yep. that, it gets real. Like, Milwaukee, Denver, Clippers, Pelicans, Wizards, Thunder, Rockets, Bucks, again, the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Then Celtics, Cavs, Rockets, Thunder, Spurs, Thunder, Nuggets, Warriors, Cavs. Like, yes, yeah, just that important stretch he's out. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. It, it comes down to if he's out for four weeks and he's back. You know, he comes back December 15th when they go through, like, (laughs) that gauntlet of teams that we expect to be, like, conference final contenders. And they steal a couple wins there, then maybe they have a chance. But if he's out through the first of the year, uh, that schedule is just so unforgiving. It's it's hard to see them making up the ground they're going to need to make, especially, you know, given it's just like the West just has so many good teams. Like you can't afford these slip ups and it sucks. Like it's, you know, it's through no fault of their own, but without Gobert, like they don't have their defense to fall back on and their offense is just so, so, I mean, they're 26th right now in offensive rating. Like they just cannot figure out a way to get consistent offense. Ricky Rubio was hot at first to start the year. He's cooled off considerably, and now he's dealing with an Achilles injury. I think. Um, yeah. You know, but we knew that wasn't going to last. Like, let's right. let's be real for a second. Yeah. Like the 
the Rubio hype when he was just average offensively, more or less, was just small sample alert all the way through. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure why anyone is kind of surprised at the fact that he came back down to earth. It's Ricky Rubio. Yeah. He's a wonderful passer, wonderful playmaker, terrific defender, all those things. But a scorer, he is not. Right, right. And, and I remember, like, even during that hot stretch, like, I want to say Dan Clayton, one of the jazz guys who writes for Bebop Breakdown, among other places, like, he was really pouring cold water on that. Whereas some other jazz people were like, well, maybe this is just the new Rubio. And he's like, we've got a seven-year sample size. Like, if he's coming <laughs> yeah. back to Earth. And he's going to, I mean, now he's shooting 37.3% from the field, 25.7% from deep. That's Ricky Rubio. And, and five and a half assists to 3.6 turnovers, which yeah. isn't great. Right, yeah. that's yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably, I don't even care about the shooting splits because that's just who he is. Like, he's had one year where he shot above 40% from the field, but mm. he's never averaged fewer than seven assists per game. So the fact he's only averaging 5.5 now, like that, if I'm a Jazz fan, that's what I'm most concerned about. I, I don't care that he's not scoring. Like, you've got other guys who can score. Um, do you think more? There's anything they can do more in terms of like shuffling their lineups to generate more offense? Well, I was gonna say unleash Donovan Mitchell, but he has been unleashed. Yeah. Dude is dude is leading the team in field goal attempts for a night, but playing just 27 minutes a game. So, uh, no. I mean, you might be right that they should just kind of tank this year and just give as many minutes as they can to, like, the Tony Bradleys and Donovan Mitchells of the team. Mm -hmm. Just let the kids develop and then see if they get lucky in the lottery. I mean, good Lord, Luka Doncic in Utah? Yeah. With a healthy Gobert next year? Right. Woof. Yeah, I mean... Why not? Why not get in on that? Right, or Bagley, or... I mean, there's a bunch of guys up there that could be good yeah, fits. Yeah, but Dante specifically for Utah, though. Yeah, that would be really fun. They, yeah, they need a scorer and a distributor and someone who can make shit happen. Right. and Dante makes shit happen. And also, we want to spare him from going to Chicago. So, prayers up that he winds up there. Yeah. Oh, uh, we should just... Well, let's just have a quick little side note with draft talk. Have you seen DeAndre Ayton yeah, play so far? Yeah, he's holy tomato. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm officially worried. If Boston gets that guy, with they can get the Lakers pick from Philly if it falls between two and five. So if oh yeah, yeah. So if if Boston gets him, I'm officially concerned about the Celtics as a legit long term contender more than I am already. Yeah. Yep. His frame is ridiculous. Yeah, the big man's back. Like, remember, the big man is back. Remember a couple of years ago when people were saying it's gonna go extinct? Like, no. <laughs> Anthony Davis is here. Towns and Bead, Porzingis, Jokic, Aiden Boogie. next year. I mean, Boogie's a little older, but hell yeah. But like, we're not gonna discount him. Uh, he's. I, I can't, can't call anyone old who's younger than me. So. <laughs> That's reason. I like that rule. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's move on to another big man who has not been having such great time lately. Nerland's Noel. So 
we we thought it was weird in the summer when you know he turns down the four-year 70 million dollar deal he says he wants a max deal mark cuban laughs at him pulls the four-year 70 million offer off the table he doesn't get a contract offer from anyone else signs the qualifying offer we figure all right he's gonna play well in dallas for one year he'll gamble on himself he'll get a big money offer next summer it's not looking so good for his contract push anymore he he started the year well in the first game against Atlanta, he had 16 points, 11 rebounds, in just under 20 minutes. Mm. The last four games, he's played six minutes. He did not play. He played two minutes. And then he played five minutes. Rick Carlisle yeah. has said he needs to earn his minutes and that Salah Mezri is earning them over him. I mean, that was the quote I was looking for. Yeah, like as if he wasn't already getting the hell out of Dallas at the first possible opportunity based on what happened with his contract talks this year. Like Carlisle's handling of him, I feel like it's already sealed the deal. Like he's I would yeah. be oh, no. stunned yeah. if he comes back to Dallas. But like what do you think is going on there? Like I it's hard for me to be objective cuz I watched him in Philly for so long and like from mm. what I saw, he was a really good player. Like he's he, you know, he he. They called him when he came to Dallas, like the Tyson Chandler starter kit. Like that is what I've always seen for him. He's not going to be a twenty point per game scorer, but he has elite defensive potential. Why can't he get on the floor in Dallas? Why do they hate him so much? Well, no, no, you're right. You're definitely not objective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I I I think he's just not a competitive person like if you look at carlisle's comments as well i mean he keeps he keeps repeating you got to compete to keep these minutes it's a competitive situation and he's just not living up to it and again that's been kind of hinted at before Mm -hmm. i just don't think noel has the best work ethic Mm -hmm. might be slightly kind of a problem backstage you know backstage behind behind the scenes right um uh, maybe he's just not a good character guy and we've seen that a lot and from players who started their careers in messed up situations which we which we gotta admit like in philly oh yeah got a raw deal on on many levels yep um, maybe he's just so pissed off and needs to rediscover him, his himself and his love for basketball again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So maybe next year when he's when he signs with the Knicks for way too much money. <laughs> yeah, I mean he rediscovers that love and then he's you know put to the bench because they have so many big men. I'm not sure. We'll right. see what happens, but uh, I, I think the talent level is there. Yeah, it's always it always has been. He's extremely long, extremely athletic. He moves incredibly. I think he's a better offensive player than people give him credit for. It's just there is that one piece missing, not in his game, but maybe the mental aspect of it. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't seem to be able to utilize everything he's got physically and put it into a ball guy a ball game. Like I've seen him play it probably a hundred times since he entered the league. And I always felt like, oh, you know, yeah, okay, you had a good game, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. With everything you've got going for yourself, like in terms of instincts and athleticism, all of these things, I was kind of expecting just 
more production, better numbers, just higher impact. And maybe that's just not him. Maybe he he's the type of guy who goes out there and is if, if you, I don't know if you if you get this reference, but it's Chris Wasper, mm, like the yeah. old from uh, yeah from Golden State back in the day, who's guy the guy who was just like yeah we'll we'll win or we'll lose whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, some players just aren't wired the same way, and you know, maybe he's just not that competitive. Yeah, it's. Tough to say, obviously, because we're not around the Mavericks. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, right. when he was with Philly, there were definitely some whispers along those lines. And Brett Brown has even hinted about it. You know, when he came to Dallas last year, he missed that team plane, like, almost immediately. And Carlisle threw him under the bus almost immediately and, like, said he texted Elton Brand and was like, yo, you've been mentoring this kid for two years. You, you did a shit job. Like, what's yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, so maybe, I mean, you're, we, you're probably on to something, Mort. Like, I'm, it seems like there's more going on behind the scenes than we know. Because based on his talent alone, you would expect him to be playing more and playing better than he is. Especially on a Mavericks team that is awful and is going nowhere this year. Like they're two and 13 right now. They already have nothing to play for. Like they're not, I mean, it's, as you said, it's early. I guess they're not officially eliminated for playoff contention. Oh, we like, can say that about Dallas. Yeah. Like, yeah they're they not coming back from this. <laughs> like they're, it's time to figure out what your go ahead plan is. And I hate to say this cause I, I like, it feels wrong to make this comparison but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) It has a slightly Twilight Kobe feel to it because Dirk, I love Dirk. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. He can't play anything but center anymore. And Nerlens needs (laughs) to play center. So if you you can't do Harry at the three, Dirk at the four, Nerlens at the five as your starting lineup, you're going to get blown off the court. Because Dirk is playing the five... That means Nerlens is completing with Mesri off the bench. Mesri is more in favor with Carlisle right now. Like, it, it feels like the best thing for this franchise moving forward would be moving Dirk to the bench, putting Nerlens in the starting lineup, letting him play off with Dennis Smith Jr. and run pick and rolls with him. Because, I mean, those two should be a lethal pick and roll combo. But. At this point, like the bridges may have been too burned already, and maybe they, maybe Dallas has just said, like, there's no coming back from this. We're not going to waste our time into developing him anymore because we know, you know, he's he gone. Yeah, he's gone in 67 games. We don't care. It's just, it's a weird situation. Like, it's, yeah, it is not where I would have expected, you know, when he came into the league and like after his first season. This is not where I would have expected him to be, what, three years later? Like, I just, I mean, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not one of the, like, 15 big man unicorns. He can't shoot three-pointers, but he's an excellent rim protector. He has great lateral quickness. Like, he's a elite defensive prospect still. Yeah, he's got some knee issues and concerns about that will probably limit his next paycheck like I'm worried, you you already joked about the Knicks but like where do you think he actually ends up next year do you think he 
is anyone going to give him the kind of big money long-term deal that he wants? Or do you think he has to take another like one year prove it deal somewhere? No, I think he's going to end up signing like a two-year deal that is going to be either very, very high mm-hmm. in terms of monetary because, you know, if a two-year deal is virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. Or he is going to sign, yeah, like you said, in, in one year, like something to the tune of I'm late on the market, so I have to sign for like five million one year. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to take like that one big page he's not going to get a jj reddick deal is what i'm saying yeah i think what some team is going to offer him big money and are expecting a commitment from him for for two years just because they know that he's got the potential of being better than he is and they don't want to risk him just walking at the end of one season if he's good Mm -hmm. and someone might lope all the hell out of him with a four-year offer that's like (laughs) i don't know 30 million yeah i could see that and if nothing else is on the table, he's probably going to take it. But as to which team, it's hard because everyone in the league today seems so in tune with, you know, who guys are like right. mentally yeah. and personally. Yeah. And if everyone behind the scenes are going, Nerlens is not a hard worker. Nerlens is not a team player. Nerlens is not this. Nerlens is not that then that's a career destroyer for him. Yeah. So because of that, obviously the Bulls, because they don't know... <laughs> I mean, they, they don't have any incel on anything, so that makes sense. They're already going to have Okafor, though. You don't want to reunite no Okafor and Noel again. Obviously not, but it's the Bulls, so... <laughs> that's true. I, I, like, I don't think he's getting a big money offer at all. Like, I just... Unless he turns it around these next couple months... I, I just don't know, you know, Carlisle is a well-respected coach around the league. I think teams are going to see what's happening with Nerlens and they're going to be wondering what's going on behind the scenes, and that's going to scare them off from offering, like, a three-year... I mean, the the four-year $70 million that he turned down is gone. Like, he will be lucky oh, yeah, to get yeah, half yeah. of that, I think. It, it yep. would not surprise me if he has to take the mid-level exception from somewhere. In which case, like... Imagine him on Golden State, or imagine him in Boston. Like he's a Boston native. Oh, you're thinking he's gonna have like a JaVale McGee career? I don't know. I mean, I hope not. But get like if they're willing to give him the taxpayer mid level exception. Take... Well, right, but that's that's a JaVale thing. Like he's he's getting minimum deals despite posting ridiculous numbers and having. Yeah, I mean. Tremendous impact, but it's structured impact, if you know what I mean. Right, like, there are right. certain things that he can't do, and that's why he doesn't play a lot of minutes. Yeah. But yeah, so in in that sense, that could be interesting. Like, maybe that's the thing for Noel. Like, you're not going to get... You're not going to be paid well, but we are going to make sure that you succeed within this very minor, smallish role, and right. that's going to be your future. And if you don't like it, learn Chinese. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, I'm I'm really fascinated to see what happens with him next because I'm. I guess I shouldn't be surprised with how poorly this is going based on Carlisle's immediate reaction to him last summer and this whole contract thing. But it's still just right. like, it's a, there's a talented player in there. I just can't believe he's going this much to waste. Oh shit! I know where he should land. Where? Washington. Oh. 
Oh yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really. That good. would be a great destination because Marching Cortad is getting older, right? And if you put him at the center spot, like age wise, he fits with Bradley Beal and John Wall. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, and Wall would be a great pick and roll guy with him too. Yeah, if they get him for cheap. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's it, it'll all come down to what he wants next. Like, is he willing to sacrifice more money and go to a team that is willing to, you know, or that, that will put him in a position to succeed? Or does he not care and does he just want the money and then is going to go? I, like, I don't even know who's going to offer him the money, though. That's that's the well, most... someone is like Vivek Ranadive or someone. He's got 15 centers already. Why does he need another one? I guess if, like, DeAndre Jordan... Why did he draft 15 centers when he had DeMarcus Cousins? Fair point. I guess DeAndre Jordan's a free agent, right? I guess if he leaves, or he can be, if he leaves the Clippers, yeah. maybe put Nerlens next to Blake. I like my Washington deal up. Yeah, I do too. That would be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens yeah. there. Uh, let's... So let me ask you this: Do you think he ever will live up to the potential that he had coming in? I mean, I, I guess it, it it depends on again, like what's going on behind the scenes. It seems like he got some bad advice this summer. Like he should have taken <laughs> four years, seventy million. Maybe he just doesn't like playing for Carlisle, and he didn't. He wanted more money for that. Or didn't like money because seventy million. Yeah, but I mean, I think in the right situation he will. Whether he ever turns into like the next Tyson Chandler really depends on where he ends up next, and if it's on a winning team or if he really just goes and chases money because he gave up so much this year. I like, you know me. I, I try to be cautiously optimistic about especially about young players and i just want nothing but the best for them because the league is more fun when there's more talented players in there and nerlens is a talented player who deserves to play in the nba for a long time like he he's proven that he can be that type of 10-year player so unless it's lonzo ball by the way (laughs) we'll get there in a second uh Yeah. yeah i i mean i don't know i mean i guess the lakers would be an option if this you know, the Paul George LeBron super team idea dies and Brooke Lopez goes elsewhere, they're gonna need the center. That could be interesting. Yeah, can we can we just talk about that very briefly? Uh, just uh, about the Lakers. Just or, just we can whisper this so Lakers fans can't hear it. Oh yeah. Are we are we not can we not say already that that LeBron Paul George thing is not happening can't we just i'm not going to rule we... it out until it's really the water. you nope. aren't nope 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 i mean like do you see this scenario actually playing uh, out i i mean for basketball reasons no but lebron right. has very clearly made you know he's pivoting toward his post-basketball life and if he's really like if 50% of his motivation is like, I'm just going to move to LA, set up my entertainment mogul business. And then like, yeah, I'll also play basketball too. Then maybe, but so I, I guess let's, let's seg into that because we have two things to talk about quickly with the Lakers. One 
If you haven't seen it, Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report posted a really interesting column this week, mm, kind of a, yeah, about how the Lakers could clear up the cap space to make room for a George and a LeBron. And, you know, obviously, like, get rid of Julius Randle, get rid of Jordan Clarkson's one option. You're still going to have to deal with Luol Deng, though. So his idea is give Deng an extension with a very small amount of money guaranteed. Like, he said $3 million or so. Uh, give him a three-year extension. Then use the stretch provision on him. But instead of having to stretch him over five years for something like seven point four million, you can stretch him over eleven years for just over three million. You clear up four million in cap space. Then at that point, you have a little bit more flexibility in terms of signing both of those guys. So, what do you think about that, Moore? Do you think it's a road they actually might go down? I just i I think Lakers fans are gonna be. So happy to every year before their season starts when they go on salary sites <laughs> on the internet and they see Luol Dang's name there for 11 straight years, yeah. not even counting the two years he's already played there now. Right. In 2027, Luol Dang is still getting a $3 million salary for the last right. Angeles Lakers. Yeah, when yeah. he's 42. <laughs> yeah. I am going I would I would just love that. Yeah. That would just be so amazing. Uh, just to see his name on a on a salary cap sheet for so long, but it's it's a brilliant idea Eric got. Yeah, and I I think it's worth mentioning that three point three million dollars, you know, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it's a fraction of the salary cap yeah. because it's so high right now. Like it would be a problem if the cap declined. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm going with this because. ESPN is sort of in trouble, right? Yeah. Losing a lot of subscriptions right. and whatnot. So when the next TV deal is up, the league might not get $24 billion over nine years right. again. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, then I would be careful about these type of deals. Because let's assume the Lakers do it. Then you will have a, like 10 copycat teams around the league mm-hmm. going, oh, that's clever. Let's do that. And then suddenly you have a shit ton of NBA team that just have stretched these guys for like 11 years. And then if the, the new TV deal goes down or whatever, mm-hmm. then you're certainly looking oh at a cap God. situation. And then $3.3 million looks just a little bit more expensive than would under the current circumstances. Yeah. But again, it shouldn't be a deal breaker. I will say this. Jan Mahimi in that same situation? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Right. I like that. We expressed concern about the Wizards not having cap space now that Wall is signed to the Supermax and Beal and Otto both deservingly on max contracts as well. So once Gortat and Markeith Morris expire, I believe both of them are in 2019, it's going to be tricky for them to replace those two guys. But yeah, Mahimi. Yep. If you, I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right just in general that, like, this this idea is so creative that, you know, unless the next CBA includes an amnesty, like, this might be the way around it. Um, yep. The question is whether the NBA will allow it. So Eric talked to Larry Kuhn of the CBA FAQ, and he, Larry basically said, like, if they included no guaranteed money, there's no way. 
Like the NBA will just call that CBA circumvention and they'll kill that deal. But there is a sweet spot between having to guarantee however much of the, like, you know, the entire extension, because the Lakers obviously mm-hmm. don't want to do that. That comes as no benefit to them. Uh, and then guaranteeing none of it. So whether $3 million is that sweet spot or if it's more would remain to be seen. We'd have to see if the Lakers go down that path and if the NBA allowed it. But uh, I wanted to at least shout him out. And for Lakers fans out there who haven't read the article, you should go check it out because it's at least you know a, a look into some of the options you guys have this coming summer as you try to carve out this two max cap sheet bonanza, whatever the hell they're planning on doing. But more, I, I, I sense your skepticism about this plan in general. Is that is that mostly tied to Lonzo at this point? Oh, with the Lakers? Yeah. No, no. It's not Lonzo specifically. It's just the team is, I don't want to use the words in disarray, but you have, you're going to, you know, lose Julius Randle because he's a necessary victim if you want to get either LeBron or Paul George. Mm-hmm. And he's a good player. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to lose him for nothing. Yep. So, okay, that's one good player out. We're not sure if Lonzo is good or not. Like, let's be honest. I know he's had a horrible start to his NBA career. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if he's, uh, you know, we, he's probably going to get better. Or he's yeah. undoubtedly going to get better. But to what degree we don't know like right. we can't sit here and go oh lonzo is definitely going to be good in two years yeah we, because we don't know jordan clarkson is pretty much a finished product so the key issue here is brandon ingram like how good is he going to be and they also have to they they will have to cut Supak as well so there's another youngster that you might have to you know just let go away for nothing. So what 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 does this come down to? Larry Nance and Brandon Ingram as the supporting cast? And Kuzma. Don't forget Kuzma. Oh, Kuzma. Kuzma. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. And that's a very essential point, actually. Yeah. But fine. With Kuzma, that's granted significant. Mm-hmm. Hi, LeBron. Hi, Paul George. Right. We have Kyle Kuzma. We have Lonzo Ball. We have Jordan Clarkson. And we have Brandon Ingram. Ta-da! Right. Yeah. What? Is that team beating the Warriors next year, even with Paul George and LeBron? Is is that team beating the Raptors next year? <laughs> well, they have to go through the Warriors to even get to the Raptors. No, I, yeah, yeah, but oh, like the regular the season. I was just, yeah. just saying, right. like, that's that's not a strong team. Like, obviously, LeBron and Paul George are going to make it terrific. Yeah. Like, they're going to increase it, but they need help. Like, okay, let's... Let's talk about this for a minute. Look at the amount of help LeBron's had over the last few years. And I'm not downplaying LeBron by right, any stretch right, right. of the imagination. But he had two but all-stars the whole time. Two all-stars, you know, future Hall of Famers off the bench. Yeah. And now you he has, like, a former MVP who's going to be the, form, the new backup point guard when Isaiah Thomas returns. Yep. Who is an MVP candidate himself. Yep. Like, LeBron has a lot of help around him. Yeah. More so than any, you know, major star. So going from that to Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and, like, Larry Nance. Come on. Yeah. And like, I, that's not to say those guys won't get to that point eventually. But, like, yeah, I mean, 
right now to beat a Warriors team with four perennial All-Stars and four future Hall of Famers and a Finals MVP coming off the bench, you can't be the, like, you need a big three, basically, which is OKC's reason they traded for Carmelo Anthony. Like, they knew Westbrook and Paul George alone were not going to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, like, if Paul George and LeBron both go to the Lakers, you're still missing that third piece of the big three. Ingram has been playing well. Like, I think the the concerns about him being a total bust are now put to rest. Like, he was one of the main reasons they stayed competitive against the Sixers the other night. He had a career night. It just got overshadowed by Joel Embiid. Kuzma, you know, like... We make fun of Lakers fans for being so hyped about Kuzma, but like Kuzma came into the league ready to play. Like he looks like both him and Nance look like late first round steals. They look like legit rotation players. You know, they're they're in good shape at the power forward spot. Lonzo is the question mark. I you know, if if we were if they were ready to bail on Brandon Ingram after his rookie year, I like I guess that's the reason. Like if a if a Lakers prospect comes in the league and doesn't immediately dominate, you're just ready to bail on him, which whatever. Like, Lonzo is not going to shoot this poorly his entire career. Magic recently said, look, we're not going to tweak his shot this year, but if he keeps shooting this poorly over the offseason, we'll, you know, meet with him and kind of figure out, like, hey, you shot, you know, you're shooting 30% from the field, 23% from three. Like, maybe we need to try something else. I, you know, I think it sucks that Voldemort has really overshadowed Lonzo and, like, kind of forced this much attention on him as he's struggling early in his career. But from everything we've heard about Lonzo himself, he's quiet, humble, hardworking. Like, he's going to get better. I'm still not concerned about him being a total bust. Do I think he's going no, to be the next Magic Johnson? No. I do not, but like, <laughs> I think he will be a fine NBA player. Is he enough to attract LeBron and Paul George on his own next year? No, but there, you know that that duty mostly falls to Magic Johnson and the allure of LA. So, I, you know this this whole plan. They've been doing this plan every year for the last five years, and it always falls to shit. So. Would I be surprised if it once again does next year? No, but no. It, it seems like there's more smoke, or there was at least, you know, over the off season about this than usual. So, like, mm. that makes me think there's a little bit more substance to these rumors than, you know, we're going to get LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he has no interest <laughs> in coming here. Um, you know, Paul George is an L.A. guy. LeBron, again, like, wants to be basically the next magic there there are off-court interests that we have to keep in mind with both of those guys but would it surprise me if both of them don't come no but like i'm sure they have the lakers i'm sure they have a plan b like you have kcp brooke lopez uh who you can resign again nerlens is going to be floating out there like there will be other options so i'm not saying the lakers are totally screwed either even if their you know superstar plan a falls through they got boogie too like boogie's gonna be a free agent if if the Pelicans can't keep him, you know that, that that'd be an interesting fit. All right, let me ask you this: in terms of age and fit, and you know age structure for an NBA team, mm-hmm. would you then rather have 
Paul, George, and DeMarcus moving forward than Paul, George, and LeBron. Like, even from a positional standpoint as well, it mm-hmm. meshes better. Mm. <laughs> this is so... It's so dumb, because it's like, how are you going to say no to LeBron James? <laughs> like, am I, I know, really going to do it I have again? to ask it. Yeah, I know. It's a fair question, because again, like, you have Kuzma and you have Nance, both of whom are good and both of whom are primarily forwards. So if you add Bron and Paul George, like, I guess you could do, like, the the Celtics interpositional thing where, like, you're playing a 6'8 guy at the nominal two spot, but... Mm. And then again, are you like, are you going to say no to LeBron James because Kyle Kuzma is playing well as a rookie? Probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> but that like Boogie is playing out of his goddamn mind in the, with the Pelicans yeah, right is. now. So it, yeah, and you know, I, I think I you probably have to just get LeBron because you're the Lakers and like the marketing opportunities alone there. You, you know, that said, right, like, right. would you would you do? LeBron and Boogie over LeBron and Paul George? Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. It's the other way around that I'm more curious about. Yeah. Because I think Boogie is just so underrated at this point. Yeah. He is ter- tremendous. And if you could you could trot out a lineup with Boogie, Kuzma, Paul George, and then with Ingram as like a super sub. Mm-hmm. And then you just, I guess, Jordan Clarkson at the two. And then Lonzo at the one where every load of pressure would be on the other four starters. Yeah. Like he would, there would be no pressure on Lonzo whatsoever. Or you could even do Ingram at the two. Oh shit! Then you're going. You know now you're going the route that you always hate with big players going to smaller positions. But that seems to be what they're like. That's the new wave. That's what Boston is ushering in. Wow, oh, that's true. That's true. I just don't think it works. And I don't want to see this become a thing because when the Knicks start Kristaps Porzingis at small <laughs> right, forward, right, right, right. I'm going to freak out. No, I don't, I don't think you could do it with, aside from Ben Simmons and Giannis. Like, you can't do it with, like, a seven-footer at point guard, but, like, or, like, you know, a seven-foot-two guy, you're not playing him at small forward. But I think there's less harm when it's a six-eight guy playing him between yeah. the two and the yeah. four. Like, that's what, you know, Boston has Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all of whom are... Six eight, six nine, all of whom are being used rather interchangeably on offense. Like there's less harm there. So if it's Brandon Ingram, Paul George, and Kyle Kuzma or Larry Nance, you know you're gonna have Kuzma or Nance be the nominal four. But if it's George and Ingram playing interchangeably on offense, I don't think that's a a huge concern. The the reason I go LeBron, why I prefer LeBron, is because I think. Lonzo, I've seen this from Lakers people. They're saying, like, it would almost help Lonzo if he could play off ball more. Like, if he didn't mm-hmm. have the ball handling responsibility every single ta- time down the floor. And he can, like, be used more as a cutter and get some more easy opportunities. And he doesn't have to create offense for himself, which he is struggling with. So, having Bron in that role and having Bron- Lonzo play off of him... You know, that that probably makes things easier on Lonzo. Whether it leads to a championship, probably not. So in that sense, you know, because I want LeBron to be competing for titles every year until he retires, uh, I guess I would 
for that reason, I would want Paul George at the Marcus, but it's a it's a fair question. So are you on, you would rather have Paul George at the Marcus than Paul George and LeBron in LA next year? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's, Look, that's tricky. I mean, and I get, here's the thing. We we always underrate DeMarcus Cousins. Have you noticed? Yeah. Because of, the, you know, the, the flare-ups in Sacramento and whatnot. Like, look, we have been going on a Giannis spree lately. Mm-hmm. Justified, don't worry. Right. But look, heads up. DeMarcus is averaging 28 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, almost 2 steals, 1.5 blocks. And he's draining damn near three triples a game at the center position. Have mercy. Yeah. He is so talented. It's unreal. And this was lost in Sacramento for so many years because, oh, let's put the headline in DeMarcus Cousins gets ejected. No, Mm -hmm. no. He's he's a terrific basketball player. He is clearly worth like a super max if it it came to that. It doesn't now because he was traded, but... Like, this guy is no joke. And he's, what, 27, I want to say? Yeah. yeah, 27. He And in a somewhat recent 27, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I I had to write the b-ball breakdown profile for him in the top 50, and I think we had him 27th as a staff, which is absurd. Like, just yeah. totally, totally absurd. Um. So, yeah, like he's he's a top twenty player in the NBA. There's no question about that. Like, he, what he's doing, I, I guess they're flying somewhat under the radar because there's just so much other other stuff happening in the NBA right now. But like, he and I mean, he and Brown are playing incredibly well. So, frankly, I hope he stays in New Orleans because I I just want to see yep. that combination and see if they can actually put the right pieces around them. Um, I'll I'll tell you something. When I was a Bulls fan, Boogie, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, back in January, when I was a Bulls fan, that was the one guy I wanted next to Jimmy Butler. That was yeah. Boogie. Yeah, like everyone threw out all these names, but like Boogie was so far ahead from you know from my perspective than anyone else who was in play as a trade candidate. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, if you if you're gonna get anyone, it should be Boogie. Because him and Jimmy Butler in the pick and roll, mm-hmm. forget about it. Just load them up with shooters. Just go get Seth Curry or whatever. That's partly why I also wanted Seth Curry because he had a rapport with the Cousins. And he came cheaply, as I mentioned, Bulls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, right. I, I, too, would love to see him stay in New Orleans. And I would love to see New Orleans, you know, get a couple picks in where they get a guy who can actually play and maybe surprises a little bit because they don't have money to upgrade. So if they get some guy in the draft who surprises, oh, good Lord, I would love that yeah. so much. So we actually have a little bit of breaking news to talk about before we hit our crush of the week. Memphis has just declared Mike Conley is going to be out for at least the next two weeks on treatment oh. for his heel and Achilles. Yeah. Damn. So Memphis, you know, started the season really hot. They've now fallen back to seven and seven. I'm gonna ask yeah. the same question about them that I did about the Jazz. How how in trouble are the Grizzlies? Well, they're a little bit in trouble because Mike Conley is almost a god, but it's only two weeks, so at least two weeks. 
Oh, oh, it's at least. Yeah. So that could be a. Right. Yeah, that could be more. Yeah, it, okay. it could be. I mean, he's Four. he's like RoboCop. <laughs> like he broke two bones in his back, and he came back within two weeks last year. So yeah, you know, he he might come back, but. I mean, thank God for Tyreek Evans. Yeah. That's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, look, they have Ben McLemore is healthy now, so he's going to be playing, and he's getting into the swing of things. So when he gets a little bit more adjusted to it, mm-hmm. then maybe he's able to take over some shots. Right. I think Memphis has the type of internal structure and culture that could survive such a thing. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, the West is loaded. Yeah. And if if you know the rest of the west teams are going to find their strides which they will anytime soon because now we're into that part of the season where teams are starting to figure themselves out a little bit mm-hmm. then this could really punish them marcus Saul has to score 30 a night now which i'm looking kind of forward to yeah that's true i mean selfish marcus Saul is the best marcus it really is oh he erupted against indiana the other night which was really fun but they're, mm-hmm. they're aside from they have dallas this coming Wednesday and then Brooklyn next Sunday. But aside from that, their next couple games are Houston, Portland, Denver, two against the Spurs, Cavs, Minnesota, Knicks, uh, Raptors, Thunder. That's a brutal stretch to be without Mike Conley. Like again, it's early. Hopefully he's back quickly. Hopefully this two week thing really only turns out to be two weeks, but Mm. it's looking like, you know, a- after that first few weeks of the season when they were 5-1, and one, all of us were like, oh, wow, all right, I guess Memphis is going to be in the playoffs. Never doubt Memphis. And then, yeah, <laughs> you know, I like, hell, and I said a couple weeks ago, like, all it takes is one Conley or Gasol injury, and the whole thing falls apart. And then I was like, well, that's probably true for every team, but unfortunately we're about to see that with Memphis. So we'll, we'll see how they survive this next stretch, but... Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm nervous. That is... It's definitely the worst kind of news coming out of Memphis. I, I, they could easily survive like a rotation player. It's just not one of those two guys, as you mentioned. Yeah. Because there's so much responsibility on those two. And that's partly why this is going to be interesting as well. Because now you have Tyreek Evans. Like, we've been lauding his play all year long. Right. Rightfully so. He's been amazing. If he is able to actually step up in Conley's, you know, lack of presence and keep delivering these amazing games night in and night out, mm-hmm. then he's damn sure going to be a Memphis Grizzly for a long time because that organization remembers that type of play. That's true. And, I mean, that would solidify him in that core, which would be very, very interesting. But they've needed a third guy for a long time. Yeah. Maybe I mean Chandler Parsons played a uh, season high number of minutes the other night. Maybe he gets going a little bit more. But oh, that would be wonderful for him. He's he he deserves yeah. it. Oh, good lord, that's been that was one rough year last year. Yeah. So fingers crossed for Mike Conley. Prayers up that he gets better soon and that we we see him back on the court shortly. Uh, more. Let's wrap things up with our crush of the week. Have you have you settled upon a guy yet? I have settled upon okay. a guy, and for those who don't know, I was kind of torn because I didn't think we had this one guy this week who just did work. But I am going to go with Rodney Hood. Nice. It's a good one. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one because he's been erupting a little bit off the bench. 
Um, he's averaging a team high 16.8 points, and that's just in, in less than 28 minutes a game. He's not he's shooting under 40% from the field overall, but a lot of his shots are threes, where he's also shooting just under 40%, 95% from the line. He just seems to be working into that role that we talked about a lot during the summer, that he's he has to be the de facto scorer now. Mm-hmm. So he seems a little bit more secure with himself with the basketball in terms of how he chases shots and where he gets them. So Rodney Hood for now. I'm still skeptical about whether or not he's going to be this guy who can take over. Yeah. But I like what I'm seeing so far. He would, I would like to see him rebound a little bit more, though. Yeah. Did it hurt you to nominate a jazz player that wasn't Donovan Mitchell? Physically. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going with TJ Warren this week. You know, he last year he got off to a hot start, suffered a head injury, never really bounced back from that. This year over his last 12 games, almost 21 points a night on mm. 52.2% shooting, more than six rebounds, uh, the occasional assist, steal block. I mean, yes, the Suns are terrible, but this guy, you know, Devin Booker is not the only reason to watch the Suns. TJ Warren is really balling out. He had 40.10 rebound game against Washington and a win at the start of November uh, against the Timberwolves the other night. I believe both he and Booker had 35-plus each, which... Right, yeah, yeah, they did. So, I mean, you know, again, the Suns are terrible. They're going to be in the lottery. They're going to be high in the lottery. But they've got some, like, they're not as far away as their record is probably going to suggest this year. Like, they have some young pieces. Marquise Chris is an anti-crush right now. I don't know what the hell. Hopefully he gets it going soon. But at least sophomore slump. Yeah, but at least TJ is playing well. Well, and remember, we had talked about TJ mm-hmm. and kind of we've been waiting for this. Yeah, because he was too good of a scorer at North Carolina State. Yep. Yep. And now it's finally come to fruition. Like eighteen and a half points a game, six boards on the season in just twenty nine minutes. I mean, he's not a three point shooter. But I am not going to be the one who says that he can't develop that shot. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, super small sample. But in 2015-16, he shot 40% on 70 attempts. I mean, yeah, he, he's at least proven somewhat capable of hitting it. I mean, he's 2 of 20 this year, which is not great. But again, like, look at his point guard play. Look at who else do opponents have to worry about defending aside from Devin Booker. Like... Right, give him a real point guard, put real teammates around him. Yeah, I would. I would like to see TJ as kind of a small ball four once. Me in a too. While. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have seven other big men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, Hi, Greg Monroe, yeah. who did well. Yeah. But, oh did. my God, why do we need you? Right. Yeah. He did play well uh, last night against the Rockets, but they also got 142 points dropped on them. So. Ah, uh, the Suns. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week on the NBA Podcast. Thank you again all for listening to us. You can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporek. And I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. 
YouTube, Brian, I'm gonna go cry realizing this is the first episode without Sarah. So. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. We we miss you already, Sarah. Alright, take care, Mark. You too, man. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store at ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details.